This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. There was parts of the game that we looked really fast and really good. There was parts of the game where we were sloppy with the puck. There was passes, guys were wide open, hitting their stick and bouncing off and turnovers, unnecessary turnovers. All our grade A's came off of the forecheck. And when we stopped turning the puck over and kept emphasizing, make the D-turn, make the D-turn, then we got rewarded. That's a little bit of head coach Rick Bonus there following the game. I, I thought a very nice summary of exactly how things played out yesterday for the Winnipeg Jets as they beat the Anaheim Ducks 3-2 uh, to two in perhaps the ugliest jerseys uh, in North America. I mean, I think we were trashing the Seattle Krakens, but, man, that's the first time I saw those ones up close, those ones the Ducks were wearing yesterday. Those things are ugly. Go back to the old stupid Mighty Ducks ones. That's what I have to say, Jim. No, those, those ones were ugly. No, those ones are way better. Everything, I, I was in Anaheim in August. Everything's ugly. Actually, it's a beautiful place, but the jerseys um, need to. Uh, All the orange I'm, I'm with you. All the orange groves. <laughs> um, it, it's bizarre because I like the black and orange and the color schemes, yeah. but the old there's some ducks jerseys. They had. It couldn't be worse than Tampa Bay's last night. Oh God! Did you those see those were, things? Unbel- how did that get by? Uh I don't know how even somebody like Steven Stamkos didn't stand up and say, "Look." I don't ever get involved in this stuff, but I'm not wearing that. You know, they design, somebody that designed that jersey got paid a lot of money to put that thing together. <laughs> well, they should give it back. <laughs> much much like Michael Richards, who played Kramer, when he had a small role in So I Married an Axe Murder, and he got paid like 250 grand, and then he turned it back in, and in an interview he said, I just didn't like my work there. Um, whoever designed those jerseys needs to do the same. Look, I saw those on the ice now, and I, I just, here's the money back. I, I'm yeah. sorry. We got Winnipeg Jets tickets to give away. We'll do that later on in the show. Um, uh, for the Tuesday, November 29th game, Hockey Fights Cancer Night versus the Colorado Avalanche. So make sure you listen for your cue to call. We'll be giving those away. But uh, uh, really good win for the Winnipeg Jets. I, I didn't think it was overall uh, the best hockey game. I thought it had a really exciting final 10 minutes. Uh, the game was on the line. I, I was at the game. I, I of course, I, I always just enjoy going to Canada Life Center watching a hockey game. I just, I just enjoy it. Um, but I, I, I thought the Winnipeg Jets were able to uh, figure things out as it went along. Um, I, I, there was a little bit of a, of a slow start. I think they had some a couple chances. John Gibson, uh, who was phenomenal last night, he kept him in the game. Uh, you know, a Hellebuck was solid. We're going to see that from him all season. He's just going to be like that every single day, every single game. Um, Casey, of course, getting the hat trick there. Dynamic, skilled as always, uh, driving, the, putting the Jets on his back there for a little while. Uh, in terms of offensive uh, offense, um, definitely did that. Uh, but I got to give some props out to the fourth line too, Jim, and I'll get your thoughts on the game here in just a second, but uh, Mikey Asamon, I thought he had a great game uh, out there. I thought uh, Saku Menelainen, I think maybe he was, um, he was he had uh, Timu Solani watching him, so I think he, uh, his idol, so I think he was had a little extra jump in his step. Uh, and then David Gustafson, I thought, was a real driver. He got the puck in. He brought energy. I thought he had a great game, too, so I just wanted to make sure I give a shout-out to those guys. Yeah, it, it was a good win, Cam, in my yeah. mind, in the fashion and the fact that they got a win. Uh, yeah. I thought they were pretty good the first five to six minutes, and then it was actually terrible. It was terrible hockey by the Winnipeg Jets, in my opinion, and then they, they found a way in the third period as the game went on. Um, that Anaheim team is not very good, and I'll, I'll go back to, I think, uh, John Klingberg, one of their defensemen, had a shift of three minutes and 42 seconds. When the Jets looked like they were not only on a power play on a two-man advantage, and and the Ducks couldn't even get near the puck to try and even make an attempt to get it back or to clear the zone, 
Um, and, and so I, I think as the game wore on, it, I want to give John Gibson a lot of credit. I thought he kept the Ducks in it, um, or else it would have been 5 or 6-1 after two mm-hmm. periods. Um, but that being said, like there were pockets of the last 10 minutes, like you said, of the game. I thought the Jets played really good. I, I thought there was that sustained pressure in the second period for that four or five-minute shift. Uh, which seems ridiculous to say, but at least four minutes of sustained pressure, they look good. And then I thought the first five or six minutes, they look good to the game. And the other parts of it just didn't look good at all. And, you know, Blake Wheeler mentioned that yesterday that said, be wary of a team that's had three or four days off. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes a while to get into a rhythm, get your legs under you. Josh Morrissey talked after the game of, of saying, as a defenseman, I'd rather play every second day. Like, I like to get into a rhythm. Players are different. Some players need rest and they have great games. Other players, it's too long of a rest. Um, but that being said, like, it wasn't a perfect game, but they got to win. And I think that's the important part with this year's roster is they're finding ways to win games that they didn't last year. And yeah. I think that's a positive. And I know it's Anaheim, and I just said Anaheim yeah. is not a good team. But they have a sensational goaltender. They have some really good, exciting talent. But I thought the pockets of where the Jets did look good. And for, for multiple minutes at a time, if they could have sustained a good, solid 50-minute effort of the 60, it would have been a different story. But that being said, it didn't go their way all the time. And they didn't play good hockey all the time and still got to win. And I think that's a, a, a bright spot for this year's Jets roster at 10-4-1 yeah, yeah, there was way too many turnovers, particularly on the blue line in the offensive zone. I, I would even refer to that as frustrating. Uh, watching that, I thought the back checking was great, and and I thought when the when when they got in the forecheck, I thought good things happened. I got a you know I think the defense played pretty well. Uh, you know Dylan went in, got that game misconduct, like took seven minutes of penalties, and then that was extended because of that pace in the third period without a whistle. So we had to end up staying in the box longer than he probably should. Have. Well, definitely than he should have. So five defensemen got a shortened bench. I, I, I think they did a good job. But this texture says two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. They barely beat a bad Ducks team. Easy guys. Well. Last year they didn't win these games, and I, I I understand what you're saying when you when you text in the show and all this stuff. But I cannot stand that mentality. Like what? So what would have been acceptable if they would have trounced him eight one? Then you would have been like, wow, you know, of course they should have beat a team like that. Like they're winning games, you know, and, and they're finding ways to get two points and climb up the standings. They had to get two points from this game against the Ducks. It doesn't matter how they're able to do it; they did it, and. Not everybody's going to have a fantastic game every single every single night, just like you 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 you, you relate to there, Jim. So they got two points. You're happy they had a, it had a an exciting win, and that's what it is. It's a win for the Winnipeg Jets and going forward. I, I just that kind well, of stuff. Just I, I I don't get that mentality. Like just enjoy a win. I don't get it. I think you can enjoy the win by just saying what we said. They didn't play yeah. well. I mean, I, I don't know what the texter's missing. Did yeah. I say that they had an excellent game and and played? Good hockey teams, when they play poorly, find ways to win. And I'll politely ask the same texter, when they beat the Rangers, did you do the opposite? Or what about when they beat the Stars When recently? they beat the Stars or when they really shut out St. Louis, who is 3-0, did you go, oh, well, you guys should be more excited? It's a game-by-game basis, and I get that it's a roller coaster. I think you and I both broke it down quite nicely, and, and I thought Rick Bonus did after the game as well. It, were they playing spectacular, and did they, they have some real poor legs in that game? Yes. But did they still win it? Yeah. Yeah, they did. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll look into a team 
that didn't play well and still found a way to win a lot more than I'll look into a team that maybe shut out St. Louis and had a solid 50-minute effort because I know that it's so hard to be that consistent. The the St. Louis's, the Dallas's, the Colorado games, mm-hmm. it's tough to play that way all the time. It's an 82-game schedule. You are going to have 10 to 15 games a year where you don't play well. And the the key is, is if you're good enough to win the majority of those games. Yeah. Last night was a perfect example of a game. I didn't think they played well enough to win, but they did. And I think that's the mark of a fairly good roster, a fairly good team. Yeah. And look, this team has won 10 games this year. They found different ways to win those 10 games. Last night, it was Kyle Connor's turn. A lot of people have been going, where's Kyle Connor? And you and I have been talking about it, and a lot of people said he's getting his chances. It doesn't look bad. I mean, two games from now, Kyle Connor might hit four posts again and not be able to register a point, be snake bitten, and somebody else will have to step up. I have no problem with Connor Hellebuck winning, you know, on his own, like in Vegas, getting a point, five or six games for this team this year. I have no problem with one of their superstars like Kyle Connor pouring in a hat trick and being the guy that wins them a game five or six times a year. What I do need to see, though, is 60 to 65 games a year, a good overall team effort Mm -hmm. that can win hockey games. And I think, albeit only 15 games, we've seen that already. We've seen all aspects of it, and we've seen some very solid efforts. Last night they didn't have it, and and I would think it had a lot to do with not having played in three or four days. We'll find out tomorrow against Pittsburgh. Yep. A much tougher test than Anaheim, but you got a game under your belt, you have a day of practice today, and then you play again to the point of Wheeler and Morrissey last night after the game going, I'd rather play every two days. I would expect a much better team effort tomorrow night because you're coming off a day of rest after a game. Get a couple text messages in here, and we'll, we'll find out what, you, what you're up to down there, Jim, at, at St. Boniface Hospital. But uh, Rick says, hey, guys, uh, it's Rick here. I agree. A win is a win. Look at the Bombers. They were where they are because they won enough games. A lot of them weren't pretty, but they won. If the Jets keep winning this way, guess where they'll be? They have to find different ways to win. You can't trounce. You can't always trounce your opponent. You're playing against an NHL roster. Like they're out there trying to win. They, they're, they're a skilled young team. I mean, they got some issues. And I, I'm going to talk about that in, in just a little bit here. Uh, but just another text message here. But listen, they're an NHL team, and I, I thought the Ducks. You know, again, they're not a very they're not a very good team. Uh, but there was obviously situations in that uh, game when they when they got going. With, with the way John Gibson was playing last night, it reminded me of the Arizona game that they poured forty some yeah. shots on Kavalka or whatever. Kavil, I think that's his name. Um, I should learn it by the way. He's yeah. a really good young goalie. But yeah. uh, like they stole that the Buffalo game. So. Again, I'm not sitting here going, by that game alone, this team's a playoff team. But what I am saying is it's the markings of a playoff team when you can win games that you're not at your best. Yeah. Texter says, hey, Poitras, get your facts straight. Dylan only got an additional 10-minute misconduct, not a game misconduct, like you said. Well, if I said game misconduct, I didn't mean that. I misspoke. I'm very, very sorry. You know what? And also... 17 minutes that is was a long that, time to sit that and and it was extended there too because of how how what the pace was yeah. um at there uh Vic says I agree with the previous guy we got to go to a break here for Jay but I agree with the previous guy they barely beat a team they should have stomped I'm glad they won but the Jets I've seen this year should have dominated the Ducks team thanks for your opinion fellas we can agree to disagree absolutely Vic that's what we do here on the show um 
Uh, Barry says, the game last night is an example of a game they would have lost last year. I totally agree with you, Barry. Uh, Cam, they barely beat Anaheim, Montreal, Arizona. They recently lost to Calgary, who had lost seven straight. Uh, they've been on the lucky side more than not, Dave. I, I just don't think, Dave, you should be that negative. Um, and I appreciate the text message. I, really I, don't, do. I didn't see – that's a point, but I didn't see anything lucky of a 4 nothing shout-out to St. Louis. I didn't see anything lucky of a 5-1 win over Dallas, who continues to lead the division. I didn't see anything lucky over a 4-1 win over the New York Rangers. Yeah. We can go through the 10 wins if you want, but – a valid point. Yeah, Last and, night they didn't play well. And, yeah, and to mention Calgary too. I mean, that team was played a lot better on that road trip than they than they ended up. I mean, they didn't end up winning, uh, but they looked a lot better on that road trip. And I I was thinking, man, they're going to come back home. They're going to get their juices flowing again, and they're going to be energized I by the crowd. What Texas, I thought I thought Calgary. I had that game circle. I said that's going to be a tough one for the Jets to win. I wonder what Texas think of the Calgary Flames right now at two eight and two in the last or two six and two in their last ten. We got Jets tickets to give away later on in the show for the Tuesday, November 29th Hockey Fights Cancer Game. Thanks so much for the text messages, everybody. Uh, we'll come back. I got a problem with a Ducks player. He's got a lot of skill. He's got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of ability. But, Jim, he's Sounds also, like Festivus. Cam's got a problem with some of you people. Uh, he's got a lot of chutzpah, and we'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Welcome, newcomers. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Well, that's just my, like, everyday life. I, I, I am Frank Estanza. I would attest to that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, welcome back to the show. Jets <laughs> at New York. Thanks for your support. Thanks for my support. Your support. Okay. Um, Trevor, Trevor Zegris. Um, a star in this league, yes. Uh, a polarizing figure, I would also say yes as well. Last night, okay, this is me being a total homer, but I have to add, I have to, I have to say this. Trevor Zegers is good for the game. He's an insanely skilled player. He has all the makings of an incredibly marketable star in this league. There's a reason why they chose him for their the NHL video game. This this last little bit here, kids love him. I saw that at the game last night. There's no doubt about it. I can't stand him, Jim, and I hate his guts. He is a cocky little <laughs> PR dash, dash, dash. He's coming off the ice. I hear him all game swearing constantly. And when he scores that tying goal, he jumps into the boards, big fist pump, big, you know, it's, it's like he just scored an OT in the playoffs in an elimination game. Really rubbed me the wrong way. And then, Jim. Fast forward to the final minute of that game, Jim. He makes a horrible clear, terrible, turns it over to Neil Pionk at the blue line trying to get the puck out. Then he loses Cal Connor in the middle of the ice, doesn't tie up his man. KC wins it, gets the hat trick. That was so sweet. You see KC gets... He gets a hat trick. He, he celebrates in the right way. He puts his arms up. He's happy about it. He's cheering on with the fans. And you know what? That's the way that it's supposed to be, Trevor Zegras. You get cocky like that, and you play with fire, eventually you're going to get burned. Well, so here's the thing. Is he good for the league? And and this seems to be where the league goes to whenever he does a Michigan goal or something like that. Yeah, he's good for the league. I, I yeah. think he's a dynamic young talent. I think the Michigan goal and all that, it's not traditional, but I also don't have a problem with – 
you know, any of that. But you have this unique perspective now because I've sort of been sitting there going, you know, I don't mind him and his brashness and, and there's a new generation and I never want to be the person who's that out of touch or too old to sort of embrace this like John Tortorella doesn't like it. So I think he's good for the league. But you have this new perspective, Cam, of having sit close enough that you heard what he's saying on the ice and how he's behaving. I'm just, I'm still traditional enough that the reaction to your goal last night to tie it is one thing. But, I mean, there's been too many times about the Michigan goal and the whole shock of him putting his head on his, on his helmet and going, oh my God, did I just do that and this and that. Your team sucks. <laughs> and this is a team game. And at some point in your young career, you have to start, you know, not only, not to say act like you've been there before. I don't have a problem. If you score a goal in the National Hockey League, you should be excited about it. If you get to any pro rank in your life and score a touchdown or a key basket or a goal, good for you. But it's a team game. And your team sucks. It doesn't have a win in regulation you have to start understanding the part of the game that you're at. You tied the game seconds after you gave up the lead, and it was a beautiful goal, Cam. That shot was outstanding. Oh, yeah, it was a good goal. But I'm, no also, doubt. I'm, all, I'm also starting to lean towards you with uh, how are you helping the team? And I, I don't know if, if celebrating your beautiful, gorgeous goal when you don't have a win in regulation is the right you know, sort of body language you want to give off there. I think, hey, that's a great goal in the fist pump. But, I, you know, you saw it and you heard what he said. You should be going to the bench and going, guys, tonight's the night. This is the one. Let's get one more. I don't know if you should be complaining all the time. And then when you do something spectacular, it just, I get what you're saying because, and I never met the man or talked to him yeah. or have any insight. Yeah. But I just, I read from what I've been seeing from him that if you lose 8-2, but you have two goals, you're pretty pumped. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to go over well. Uh, after, Like the rookie year was what it was. You're yeah. a rookie. It's time now in today's NHL that in your second year and being a star on a team, you start leading and, and you start doing some things that, again, like you told me this this morning, and I was like, well, I, I'm with you a bit. Like I would have much rather to seen a little less celebration and a little more focus on getting the next one yeah. and and winning that game. Yeah, I, I, you know, the thing is with the, with the Michigan, and I when I first saw it, I was like, I just absolutely hated it. Um, but I'm I, I'm at the point with it now where it's going to as it becomes more popular. I I like introducing new dynamics to a game that we already know to make it more complicated, to make it more something that you have to coach for. I think that that makes hockey a lot more interesting to watch, particularly for people that know like what they're doing. And this is something that's going to be, it's going to it's it's not going anywhere. This is just going to become. Uh, more and more and more prevalent, I believe, in the National Hockey League. And I think goaltenders are going to be watching for it more. And I think coaches are going to figure out ways to coach what is going to be happening because there's tons of kids doing this and, and all that sort of thing. When I first saw it, I didn't like it. Um, but I'm now at the point where I think that it's going to be an interesting and new part to the game that's going to be and add a little bit more excitement and, and, and some more coachable moments and that sort of thing. So that that's where I am with, with, with the Michigan and, and all that sort of thing. But Well, here's why I like yeah. it and don't like it. Like, yeah. if it's just a gimmick, you're not helping your team. But it's become this thing where I think, like, was it Suzuki who did one in Montreal? Yeah. Or 
I know he. I know Zegers had another one in Montreal. If it becomes something new in the game that you have to actually be aware of and defend, then I like it. Yeah, like, me too. I, That's I, exactly I like the how fact I feel. that That's if exactly goalies, if goalies around professional hockey and all levels of hockey are going, now I got to worry about this, and now I have to sort of focus on. Um, what I have to do to defend it and defensemen as well. I remember when it was first, I think it was in what's called the Michigan goal because it happened in college, right? Yeah. And I think the next couple of times in college hockey when players tried to do this, the defenseman never tried to play the puck and just absolutely crush the guy coming around the net. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, this isn't going to go well. Like this, this, I, I, if I'm a defenseman, I'm going to crush anybody who reaches down and lifts up the puck like that. Yeah. But they found a way to do it that it, it's become a part of game. So I, I like the fact that it's part of the game now, that goal. I like the fact that teams and goalies have to figure out a way to defend it. Anything new that produces offense is good for the game. Yeah. I just I, I, I also have seen, and this is what's never talked about with Zegris, is I've seen him also try it and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then and then it's is that the best play? Like if it works, great. But if if it if it's a turnover and the puck goes down the other ice as opposed to a pass along the boards to the D man and you keep possession, that's what's never talked about this goal. Yeah. So I, I'm 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 like on the fence. I'm not as animated as you are about Zegers. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see how yeah. he matures. I think having a Getzlaff around last year would help with this development and and things. But we'll see where this team where this goes. And I mean Dallas Aikens is is a prime example of a guy who I remember those comments he had yeah. about Kadri when he was in Toronto or with the Marlies. He's a guy that would go look if this works, all for it. But also you know round out your game, make sure you're you're helping the win. So yeah, I that, just that, yeah, that's the point, Jim. Too, it's like round out your game. You're gonna go there you're going to jump into you're going to jump into the into the glass and all that in a way building okay that's fine man that's that's your prerogative you know you're a young guy you're excited this is kind of the, the how it goes but then tie your man up make sure you clear the puck properly yeah. don't just turn it over and make sure you tie up your guy in the middle of the ice cuz he was a big part of costing the the Anaheim Ducks at least a point in that game the problem with it is is exactly what you just said yeah. Kyle Connor from the slot had three ducks around him who did nothing and I would think that you should, as a Zegris, young leader, be an animated as you were about that, as you were with the goal. That's my point. Yeah, Jim, we, you, yeah, you we got be... Derek here. We got Derek. Uh, yeah, we got okay. to bring in Derek. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Jim's down there at uh, at St. Boniface Hospital. Uh, Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers. Hey, Derek, what's going on, man? Not much. Not much. Just, uh, just uh, the calm before the storm of Will Kalara's practice this afternoon, like you said he would. Well, I mean, that's what we're all wondering, and and I and, it's all and to over be the honest, place. he's going to play. That's what they're saying. As you know, DT, I think we're all fine with it up until today. But today, we got to see him, right? Well, and, and it's it's. They said yesterday, Kalar said, "I'll definitely practice and I'll definitely play." He didn't use those exact words, but right, that was a sentiment of both him and the coach, and and I think we all believe them, right? But for me, it's like okay, but I still want to see it. I don't. You're not. I don't in any way think you're lying to us. I don't think you're trying to deceive us. But I'll still. I need to see it because uh, it, he's that important to what's going to happen on Sunday. Well, and when you say that, DT, like what? What specifically do you need to see? Do you just need to see him out there walking around? Do you need to see him throwing some balls? Like I, I don't think he's going to do a full practice today. But like, what degree of seeing him would um, solidify what he had to say yesterday in your mind? I just need to see how 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 limited he is in his movement. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, with last week's Western Final, it was very clear that Nathan Rourke was limited by his foot injury, and he and Rourke talked about it when he met the media after winning the Most Outstanding Canadian Award, and he talked about 
how he was on it. You know, he was driving off the wrong part of his back foot. And he's like, oh, this is, this doesn't look like my throwing style at all. This is Kolaris's back foot, right? He's got to put that in the dirt and just drive it down and hammer the ball 40 yards on a corner up to Nick Dembski. He needs to use that foot as his explosion point when he scrambles out under pressure because Ja'Garrett Davis is coming hard off the edge. Those are the kind of things I just need to see some of it because him walking across the, you know, the dais to get his award, um, it, it doesn't tell us anything about what he needs to do as a pro athlete when other pro athletes are at 110% trying to get you. Great word, by the way, Deus. Thanks for yeah, popping that just, one out there. That was a beauty. That's a play-by-play man's word. That's oh, <laughs> big time. Um, Stanley Bryant, um, you know, some of the most unsung heroes in, in all of sports are offensive linemen. Uh, he picks up his his fourth, fourth most outstanding lineman award. I mean, that's an unbelievable feat, Derek. Um, I mean, he's got to be up there. I mean, you, you know, you argue different eras and all that sort of thing, but... When you're talking about the greatest offensive lineman in the history of the Canadian Football League, it's tough not to put him at the top and underline him. Yeah, he was the first to win three Outstanding Lineman Awards, so now yeah. he's the first to win four. And honestly, uh, he, he should have won in 2019 when uh, they gave it to Chris Van Zyl. I couldn't. I voted for Stanley because Stanley was dominant. And it, it was funny, the conversation around Bryant this year, because people who, who were watching and were voting Remember one of the games against Calgary, their their defensive end, Falerin Arimalade, he got Stanley good, and Stanley laughs about it now, but Arimalade drove Stanley back, and Stanley's foot gets caught in the ground, and he ends up on his back. And people, people have this perception that that one play was Bryant's entire season. And I just look at them and go, did you not see the other 17 games? Uh, well, Derek Dennis, they, they ran the ball real well in Calgary and didn't allow sacks. I'm like, yeah, but whipping the ball out super fast and Zach Kalaris holding on to it till the very last possible second to make an 81-yard touchdown possible are different ass of alignment. And then to take Stanley and compare him to the year Stanley had in 2017, that's that's not fair. you got to compare in this year, compare Stanley to other linemen this season. So I was really surprised at how down people were on Bryant because he is he is rock solid at that left tackle spot. And he's taking the toughest players in the CFL to defend, and he's ushering them outside and keeping his quarterback in one piece. Like, Kolaris hasn't been – when's the last time you remember Zach getting absolutely crushed in the pocket? Because hmm. I I kind of don't. And, you know, credit for that. Some of the credit for that certainly goes to Stanley, who, yeah, now now gets in that conversation with the Wallbies. And, and yeah. I'm just trying to think of the names that what we saw on the outstanding lineman list. But, like, there have been some really great ones, and and Stanley has twice as many annual awards as anybody else does. I was a little worried he'd be a victim of his own success, like 2019. Like, he's been so good for so long, it becomes, you know, boring. Like, who stands out? Because he is that good. But I did want to ask you about this, DT. I know we're all focused on the results of Sunday, and rightfully so. But with Stanley Bryant, whom Kyle Walters went and paid good money for out of Calgary, uh, did the same with Willie Jefferson. Like, this team is built on the scouting and the work that Walters, Ted Gavaya, and Danny McManus have done, like, to find the Dalton Shones of the world each year and out. Mm. 
But I think lost in this this sort of build up to a third run at a championship is Kyle Walters willing to do what other teams wouldn't do. Saskatchewan wouldn't go as high for Willie Jefferson. Calgary wouldn't go as high for Stanley Bryant. This team is also built on some shrewd moves of Kyle Walters willing to spend the money on the players that he felt would make a difference. Adam Big Hill coming back from New Orleans. Um, that's part of this run as well as the scouting to build it. Well, and, and that's been one of the stories of the season, and I think you're right, and that's been one of the stories of this entire run was you get these absolute stars. Like I was in the off season, the second last year ended to the beginning of this year, but frankly, until he signed, I said I would, if I was an opposing GM, take Jackson Jeffco to make him the highest paid defensive player in the CFL, just to get him away from Winnipeg. Yeah. And it just it, it didn't happen because he want he wanted to be here in Winnipeg, and you know. There's been a ton of injury problems this year, but it hasn't taken their star players away. Big Hill's still there in every game. Willie had last missed a game in 2014. Uh, Stanley missed one game with injury, but he's there all the time. Hardrick, one game with injury, but he's there virtually all the time. Kalaris missed almost no time this season. Like it, it, that, that really is. So you, you go out and, and get these guys to start with. They lay the foundation. Then you work other pieces around them. Like you mentioned uh, Dalton Schoen. He might well go to the NFL just like D. Alford did last year, but do you have any question that they're going to find another dude who will play the receiver spot and do it real well in addition to all these other guys? I, I don't because they just keep – they went through three safeties this year. They went through three weak side linebackers. Uh, if people remember in weeks one to four, uh, Tyquan Glass was a starting cornerback. Obviously, he was gone, and now Demario Houston, we went, holy cow, this guy can play. And then Demario Houston got injured, and now we're on to – Oh man, uh, this Desmond Lawrence is just knocking down balls left and right. It's it, it it's incredible what they've been able to do on the two levels of get star players, keep star players, and fill them in with with young and inexpensive talent. And they do it better than anybody else in the CFL. This is coming up here on Grey Cup Sunday, one of the biggest moments in the history of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as a franchise. Uh, Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers, joining us right now. Uh, a great, he'll be all part of our Grey Cup Week programming. We'll host a two-hour special Saturday afternoon from 2 until 4, setting up Grey Cup Sunday, where we'll hold a two-hour pregame show from 11 until 1, live from Regina, teeing up the big game on 680 CJOB at 5 o'clock, followed by our very own postgame show. DT, as I signed off with you the last couple of days, have a blast, man. Notice Thanks, I said guys. blast, not fun this time. So that's that you're supposed to have more fun. I will, I will, I will uh, aspire to do both. It'll be good. <laughs> okay. it's Don't have a good time. Uh, have a blast. Yeah. There you go. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Great Thanks work, for, DT. Thanks for humor. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.